0: doesn't judaism have anything spiritual to it like i would go to like these bagels and lox brunches and they would just talk about politics and again it just wasn't what my soul was craving
1: um i i used to i used to go to case one second Bracha, one second, I lost you wow. for a second I'll talk for a second, it looks like they're working in the back One second, Tony, are we having problems with a Skype? What?
2: Internet connection
1: Oh, so we're having a drop of a problem with the internet connection Bracha, so we're, are we good now, guys, or are not good yet? It mm-hmm. What? It might be on her It might be on her How, does our, how do we look? Should we recall? We're, we're good, okay, Bracha, sorry We huh. gotta love computers and internet connections And everything we rely on to make yes, sure that it's working. So you were saying that you were searching for a spiritualism, a spirituality in Harvard, and they had a better chance on it with Buddhism or or other stuff than the actual Bible courses they gave, which is a sad fact of life, of course. Right,
0: and I was searching and. I remember I was on the beach with a with a boy, my boyfriend that time who was Catholic, and I was I had gotten this book from the library because he was more interested in Judaism than I was in a way. He was trying to study about Judaism. so we had this book called Hasidic Tales, and I was reading them and i I incorporated some of these Hasidic tales into my memoir. It, because it's interesting um, the juxtaposition with what I was doing with my life at the time and I was reading these Hasidic tales, which which really drew me. And made me think there must be something spiritual to Judaism, too, although I haven't encountered it. I didn't know any Orthodox Jews or anything like that. So, But I, I felt from these Hasidic tales that I was reading that there must be something to Judaism more than meets the eye, you know, more than what I saw about it, which was about bagels and lox or political discussions. And so I always had some hope, but, you know, I, I hadn't found it yet. And so um, after graduating from Harvard, I went to medical school. By that time, I had developed eating disorders. And um, later on, actually in my memoir, which is, um, it's really a case study of my life, of how you see the the development of the eating disorders, and then you see how I was healed from them. And even though I was healed from them, I couldn't understand the connection of how becoming um, observant of the Torah's guidelines helped with my healing. I couldn't see the connection of why they coincided together. But at the end of writing my memoir, then I finally had an epiphany and I could understand. I got the insight through writing it that it was my soul that was starving and in, in order for my body to look like my soul, it had to, that was giving me the message. So I would fluctuate between like anorexic type of behaviors and, um, binge eating. And it was like the binge eating was like, I could never get enough. It was like a desperate searching for more and more to fill the inner emptiness that I had. So I did I say, not know how to fill. Right.
1: Yes. So I know I'm interrupting you. So. So, okay, so you had the, we'll call it an eating disorder, just to make life simple. So yeah. when, when were you able to conquer that eating disorder? Only after you became religious or even beforehand?
0: Oh, no, after I became observant, which was at 22. At 22, um, of the summer after my first year of medical school, where I I was hoping to become a psychiatrist. That's what I was studying because I was always interested in the mind-body connection. So um, I went to Israel that summer and I um, studied a little bit at Neveh, uh, Neveh Yerushalayim. It's like a seminary for late beginners. That's what it was. And then also at Orsameach, they had a women's division at that time, which later combined with Neveh Yerushalayim. So I moved I, I moved out of the dorms of Hadassah after one week of being there as a volunteer. And I moved into Or where I began to study Torah at a depth that I never knew existed. And it was so thrilling to me. I, I remember like half the words were in Hebrew and I didn't really understand what they were saying in some of the classes. And yet, even though I didn't understand some of the information, my soul was rejoicing, like I felt that I had found what I was looking for, where I had found elements of truth in other religions, because there were elements of truth there. But nothing fit like a perfect puzzle piece inside my soul, until I discovered Judaism in depth like that, the Torah's Judaism. So it was a a great rejoicing for me. And um, that's, that's how I began to study and just and so the the eating disorders um, just gradually went away. I, I not not that very minute, but over the months, I would say within the course of a year's time that I began studying and integrating um, the wisdom and the spiritual nourishment that I needed into my soul.
1: so once we're on this topic, we'll we'll might as well keep going. So you found for yourself that in in your specific disorder, but you told me you feel this could really work with many disorders, that you felt in your studies that most disorders are are spiritually based. Someone's, everyone's searching for something spiritual, and until they find it, they're going to have a disorder. But then it sounds like as soon as they find the right spirituality, the disorder should go away. So let's talk about that a little bit.
0: Right. I, this is, I don't know where I got this beautiful quote, but I love this. Every form of life has a soul that yearns to transcend and reconnect with its source. We are all looking for unconditional love. We. That's something that everybody needs and wants. And we all, some people um, that they, they're not sure that God exists or that they even have a soul. There are people that you know, considered themselves that way at that time. Actually, I was brought up that way. So um, they would have a hard time saying that it's their soul, but an essence within them, there's, a, there's a, an inner essence that wants to connect to its source. And, and this yearning, if it's not met, we constantly have an emptiness inside and a yearning. So I feel um, th- that is what addictions come from, that yearning if it's not met if we don't get the spiritual nourishment that we need that's how addictions develop and also it, and addictions develop to cover up a pain a pain that a person is feeling because addictions provide a temporary comfort and a temporary pleasure and, and that's why they last and they help with coping um, they can be very dangerous for the person, but they provide immediate pleasure. So um, addictions are very widespread, and actually, the more we get away from nourishing our our souls, the more addictions become prevalent. Um, so, and. Yeah. So you mean so the doctors
1: wanna- so all the psychologists that have all their pain medications and and Prozacs and who knows what, but really in your opinion, if the if the doctors understood that it's a, a lack of spirituality, that would really help the person move along instead of all the band aids they stick on them.
0: It would help tremendously. Well, it may not help with everything. Like in my own life I had a very wonderful childhood, very loving parents. When people don't grow up with that, when they live lives with neglect or abusive parents or tremendous trauma in their childhood, whatever it is, um, they uh, addictions are very common for people like that. But in addition to the addictions, they may have other problems where therapists could be helpful and they may need medications. But um, so I'm not saying it's the only thing that's needed, but it is an essential ingredient that helps tremendously with anybody that has an addiction. And even like with the 12 steps, it's it's one of the central steps is belief in a higher power. They just say higher power in a generic sense, but it, that's a, a recognition that we need a spiritual connection in order to heal from addictions.
1: Right. Uh, Okay, so now, that really, which we didn't say, but really, all that is in your book um, called, I have it written here somewhere, what's your book called? That, one second. Searching for God in the Garbage, that's it. And why did you call, and after you answer this question, then we're going to get to your children's books. Why did you call it Searching for God in the Garbage?
0: Okay, well... It's a metaphor and it's also I mean it in a literal sense and in a, and in a metaphoric sense because we really are searching for and, and also um, what is God? God is really like the collective soul of the universe. So so when we connect to our souls, we're connecting to God. And all of us we have a pure soul within us, no matter no matter any damage that we've experienced in our lives, no matter what trauma we've been through, there's the trauma can only reach to a certain level and our pure soul remains pure no matter what. So resilience is always possible. It's always possible to heal because we can always still reconnect to that pure part of us. So, um, and on top of that pure soul can be layers and layers of garbage. And that's the thing, we have to reconnect to that part in us and help it shine again the way it's meant to in this world. Sometimes we have to go through layers and layers of garbage in order to reach that soul. But it doesn't even have to take years to do that. You know, um, Certain actions that we do can get right to the source and so that we can re- reconnect to our souls. Um, One of the things I say to people that have a problem with overeating is to try to get in the habit of asking themselves when they're in the midst of overeating, is it my body that is hungry or my soul? Because right away, the answer will become evident. And when the answer becomes evident that the person is just eating and eating and eating to fill that inner emptiness, and there's no end to it... um, then they can start thinking, what could I do to fill my soul? And it doesn't even have to be that they do the action. Just thinking about the action creates a new neural pathway that gets the person into a, a whole different place of being where they can do something positive and reconnect with their soul. They And, and, and I mean this in a very general sense. Like if they're overeating and they suddenly stand up and stretch suddenly like the bag of potato chips is not calling in the same way anymore they you turn on some music that you enjoy and you start stretching and suddenly you feel uh, a feeling you feel uplifted or let's say you reach out to somebody lonely you call or you text somebody on your phone someone that you know would love to hear from you and suddenly The drawer of that potato chips is not the same as it was because you've you've you've, you're feeding your soul at that moment. And or even you step outside and you breathe in some nature for a few minutes. It changes you. So something as minor as that can help your soul to shine. And it creates lasting pleasure, not the temporary pleasure, which which food does bring, because God made food to taste wonderful and give us joy, but we can get stuck on that when there are so many greater pleasures in life that can last forever. So that's what I'm trying to redirect people to, recognize that essentially we're souls, we're souls that are housed in bodies, we're, we're clothed in bodies, but what we are in our essence is a soul. And that's my main message, and that's my, I, I really love to get that message across. And you did um, such oh, an
1: excellent yeah, job, yeah. Bracha. that okay, <laughs> I still got time, don't worry, but I, in my mind they said, okay, we'll talk about her memoir for three minutes, we'll talk about her children's books for 25 <laughs> minutes, and I see I've done just the opposite. So, first of all, now that everybody has heard um, your depth, which is really just a great word, and your understanding, and your you. you You Mm -hmm. sound like a Harvard grad. There's a lot of intelligence. And now we need to understand all your wonderful books. So many books, I I just picked a couple. And I know there's stories behind each one. And I'm gonna start with one that's really quite important. Our school got involved in it. Uh, We have a program called Safety Kids uh, where we wanna make sure the children are safe. We want to make sure that children don't go away with strangers. We want to make sure if someone is, is touching a child in an appropriate way, that the child knows who, who the child can speak to and that the child will be listened to. And these are programs we do in the schools now. And you wrote the book for children. Um, the book is called Let's Stay Safe. So let's back up a couple of years before it was accepted that in the schools we have these programs. Um, why did you write that book?
0: Well, I I coordinate a Jewish Big Brother Big Sister program, so I'm very familiar with the literature available about helping to prevent abuse of children, and um, I knew there was nothing yet for no picture books available. Um, Deb, Debbie Fox was working on programs, and that may be the safety kid program that yes. you have at your she, school. I which believe is she wonderful. came out. Go were-
1: no, go ahead. Oh, did I, lose, I didn't lose you. She came out, I think, as one of the trainers to help the children. We had a meeting with her, big meetings. Um, are we losing our Skype again?
0: Yeah.
1: Yes, she got started. Oh.
0: No, so she she got it before I did, but there was no picture books yet, picture books that everybody could read in their home, parents could read with their children. So that's what I did, Um, culturally sensitive books for
3: children to help to prevent abuse. And one of the points that you made, and I just want to clarify this, most abuse of children is not from strangers. It's from people that the children know very well because that's how they have access to the children and they gain their trust so um children really need to be educated about this and we need to be proactive and i think that since these books have come out and with debbie's wonderful programs there's so much more information out for everybody to learn about this and thank god the more knowledge we have um it prevents it prevents them from being successful the perpetrators so we, we have to keep spreading the knowledge it's super important um so I, I write about that and another thing i write about is healthy eating which is really important for children um i i, just, I have this book here this is called hashem's candy store which which is just joy of eating healthy the way that God intended for us to eat as close to na- the natural source. It has the greatest life force in it rather than processed foods. And this talks about the wisdom of eating healthfully. So, um, and and on the book you mentioned, let's appreciate everyone. Yeah, I have that right here too. That book is about teaching sensitivity to children about um, disability. Really essential. These are just things I. Uh, you know, I was so thrilled to become an Orthodox Jew and have Torah guidelines in my life, but I saw that some things that could be spruced up a bit and things that we needed to learn about more, so those are the things I wanted to write books about. So that's what I've been doing, basically. Oh, I'll show you this one. This just came out this week. Let's Break Bad Habits. I Basically, I, I call this the 12 steps for children condense to a level that children can understand them so that children can know the skills of how to break bad habits from early on and keep these skills for life. Um, so, that's
1: what I'm doing. <laughs> well, my time yeah. is running... Are you, you and, still there? <laughs> uh, we're still here. We're listening. We're learning. Um, the audio is fine. For whatever reason, uh, the com- connection is not as fine as we would like it. I still think I can hear you. But we've talked about so many important books about Safety Kids, about this book I've read, Let's Appreciate Everyone, which, uh, to give you an idea... Is um, oh now you're clear you're probably going to be better now. Um, that's a, a book that that shows how teachers can help children um, deal with a, a boy in a wheelchair, or a girl on crutches, and but it's not just talking. It's with it's uh, they have to they have to make pictures and then they crumble up the picture and they figure out what makes someone happy. And you know, it's really uh, forcing the child to understand. And I'm sure that's the 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 theme through all your books. It's not good enough just to tell the child, this is how you're supposed to behave. I need the child to discover why the, the behavior is inappropriate, why they wouldn't like it, and how, and how they can become creative to fix it. Is that pretty much the style? Have, have I gotten it?
3: Exactly. No, that's it. Everybody is born with a beautiful, unique soul. And we have to learn to appreciate every person, not only every person, you know, it goes even to animals and plants and everything that God created, because everything was, we're really put here to have pleasure in life. That's why God brought us here, just to give to us and for us to really enjoy life. So that's, that's what I hope to be able to do for more and more people and starting with children to help people enjoy their lives as deeply as possible.
1: Bracha, I am so happy you reached out. I am so appreciative you told us about your memoir, your life, what you're trying to accomplish with all your children's books. You go onto Amazon, type in Bracha gets um, G, it should be on the screen, G-O-E-T-Z, um, it comes up on Amazon. She has wonderful books. They're, they're great books just to teach your children how to behave. Have them in schools. Have them in your house. L- you'll learn yourself from them. They're really amazing. It's worth looking up. It's worth checking them out. They're in the libraries. Brock, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. Have a good <laughs> Chavez. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Okay, thank be you. well. Bye-bye. Okay, sorry, a few times in the middle. We had some Skyping, Internet, who knows what difficulty. We didn't have difficulty. Only I had difficulty. No. No one had difficulty. Kelsey said there were no difficulties. It was perfect. So when I relook it over, I will see perfection. Okay, perfect. Sorry for that apology, which, yes, no, it doesn't matter. But anyways, you got to check out her books. Her books are really fascinating because it's not just telling you, you should behave like this, you should behave like that. It's watching the teacher recognize children were not uh, taking care of a boy in a wheelchair. So he goes through a whole thing. What are you good with? What are you not so good with? Let's draw a smiley face. So now there's something you're not good at, and let's make a fold, and and people make fun of you and crumple it, and how does your smiley face look, and how do you feel, and you don't feel so good about it. And then the child becomes enlightened. Hello, I'm doing the same thing to that child over there who's in a wheelchair. I'm making fun of that child who has his issue, and I got my own issues. So all these are the types of books she writes. They are obviously well written. Um, We didn't have a chance to talk about it, but she told me when we spoke last week that she's a very, very brilliant woman and she takes her brilliance and makes everything very simple so she understands the complicated and from the complicated she makes it very simple children can understand it but guess what even as adults when we read some of these things they come through loud and clear do i have a minute i have a minute i have a minute If my voice will still work, so let's uh, get a little bit back into the Torah portion this week. In my just to give us an opening uh, salvo, so we have kosher animals. So um, most people are familiar that the that a kosher animal needs split hooves and it needs to chew its cud. So you're talking cows and sheep and goats and. And deer, and probably giraffe, and uh, ibex, all those kinds of, uh, of animals, whether farm animals or domesticated animals. So the first thing to keep in mind, we're going to spend more time about this when we come back from the break, and that is, it's like two witnesses. In the Torah, uh, two witnesses is considered the most believable. So therefore, the Torah creates for its kosher animals two witnesses. One sign is not good enough to tell me an animal is kosher. I must have two signs and here comes my music so we're going to be back we're going to talk kosher animals we got our letter of the week we got some stories to talk about so you listen to Rabbi Two and let's talk Torah and we'll be right back
2: I'll tell you what happened.
3: Get Morty!
2: I got the sauce! We're at C2E2 with the legendary Chris Claremont.
3: Greetings, my fellow geeks. My name is Jordan Travillion, and this is Get It to the Geeks. We are here with David Yost, the
2: original Blue Power Ranger.
0: Nobody right. promised you when you bought the thing on PS4
2: that you could play it on Switch. But so your, your excuse is garbage. I'm
0: going to pull out my crossbow. All
2: right, sweet chainmail armor. Let's see what you got. Plus, the latest LiftMaster garage door openers and the toughest retractable screens on the market. All by the push of a button. Tarno Doors is celebrating its 50th year anniversary and is the recipient of the 2016 subcontractor of the year from the Home Builders Association.
1: Tarno Nose Doors,
2: Tarno Nose Doors. Surfing the internet can be good for your brain, especially if you're getting up there in years. UCLA scientists say that the internet searching helps to stimulate your brain function by triggering centers in your brain that control decision-making and complex reasoning. In a study to be published in the American Journal of Geriatric Psychiatry, the researchers say that using the internet to seek out new information might stimulate the brain enough to sustain brain health and your cognitive ability. Before the computer age, the one activity that was linked to an active mind was solving crossword puzzles. The fact that even simple tasks like searching the Internet might enhance your brain circuitry suggests that our brains are really sensitive to mental exercise and actually continue to learn as we grow older. So using an Internet search engine such as Google produces the same brain activities as reading, but it also increases activity in areas of your brain that control decision-making and complex reasoning. With another prescription for your health, I'm Dr. Jim Bragman. If I were a rich man
1: And we're back. Yeah, so I don't think we're going to be joined by Rabbi Jonas and Goldson today. We changed the time by an hour. It happens. I did communicate with him, and he, he had a meeting, but he said he will be back next week. So just to talk for a few minutes, kosher animals, we don't have that much time to talk about it. So kosher animals, we're talking animals, had a boy in class say, well, a duck doesn't have split hooves, it also doesn't chew its cut, it's a bird. I said, because I'm teaching you animals, there's kosher signs for an animal, there's kosher signs for a fish. Uh, There happen to be kosher signs for birds also, but the Torah just lists off the birds that are not kosher. Uh, But the Talmud actually tells us there's really four signs for a a kosher bird, but uh, I don't want to get too involved in that today. But what's fascinating is um, so many things we want to talk about Toba at the same time. Let's uh, skip to birds because I told my class today. There is a non kosher bird, and the Hebrew name for this non kosher bird is the chasida, which is from the word chesed or kindness, which is kind of strange because the Torah is telling you a bird that is named kindness is not kosher. What gives? So the commentaries explain, I, it may be a stork, it may not be a stork, not so important. It seems this chassida bird is kind to its own species. In other words, if you're a chassida species, let's for argument's sake uh, say it's a stork. If you're a stork, and I'm a stork, I'm going to take care of you. But if you're not in the stork family, I want nothing to do with you, I don't want to help you, I don't need you. Find uh, somewhere else to go get your help. So, so that is what the Torah is telling you. That's not kosher. In other words, the the goal is to help everyone. One of the things that the, uh, the Bracha was telling us earlier. She's teaching people to appreciate everyone, everything. It's not just Jews. It's Jews, non-Jews. It's people. It's animals. It's food. It's life. It's the soul. You, you gotta be kind to everyone. So that bird teaches us you must be kind to everyone. Uh, wants to go back to animals a little bit. So this happens to be four animals that only have one of the two signs. Um, three of them chew their cud. That's the camel, some type of hare, rabbits, I don't know, in that family. I have no idea. And the pig is famous. It has split hooves, and it doesn't chew its cud. And the pig is always the animal that everybody relates to as being the non-kosher animal, even though it has one sign. Right, So some say the pig sticks out its hooves and say, look at me on the outside, I look kosher. And we're busy telling everyone on the outside you're kosher, that has nothing to do with what's on the inside. And as a uh, important thought, kosher is, is only the beginning. In other words, my, my cow is kosher meat, but it has to be slaughtered. Properly, So I had a friend I met, he's a, a hunter, he says, yeah, he likes kosher meat, he hunts his own deer. I said, that's very nice, but you're killing the deer, you got to slaughter the deer. So um, that part, he didn't get so good, but whatever. But as my day is moving along really quickly, um, and if someone's hiding back there, Kelsey is there, ready for my poster. So we're up to the letter Tzadi. Tzadi is the, I think it's the 19th letter. It's uh, interesting shape. You look at it on the screen behind me. And a great word, its numerical value is 90. And it's also the letter of my name, Tzvi. The first letter of Tzvi is a Tsadi, but that's not my word of the week. Um, the Tsadi. Uh, a good word is Tzedakah. Tzedakah means charity. And uh, I just thought it would be good, you know, right after Purim and there's something that happens in our neighborhoods it happens in new york it happens in new jersey it is on un- chicago in jewish communities all over it is unbelievable what happens is that children teenagers run around collecting money for whatever they're collecting money for their school collecting money for poor people collecting money for for organizations and they raise the, the hundreds of thousands of dollars is a small number these people raise Unbelievable amounts, because on the Purim holiday, the the rabbi said you have to be very open and very giving, and people give. They give unbelievable amounts, and the children are running around collecting this charity. They feel good. Uh, they'll usually have letters of who they represent, and usually we give them checks because money can get lost. They get their checks, they bring it into where it's supposed to go. It's just something fascinating, something beautiful about the holiday where everybody is busy giving. Even the children that are collecting, they're not collecting for themselves, they're not taking, they're spending their holiday time to help somebody else. So if you think about that in in the Purim holiday that we just finished, where everybody's giving, the people that are charitable are giving, people that don't have so much money, they're giving dollars. People give a lot of money, a lot of charity, and the children running around are also Giving, Because they're giving of their time, which is really a beautiful thing. And it just makes the whole holiday atmosphere beautiful. It's just amazing. But that's our Letter of the Week. That's our Word of the Week. Suckers Charity. And my time is running down. So I did want to mention, by the way, very interesting. Um, there, the I believe it's March 25th is the anniversary of the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire. I don't know if you're familiar with that. But... Uh, Oh, about 100 years ago, um, in, the, in the sweatshops where you would have all these girls doing all the sewing and everything else, they locked the doors. As these ladies, girls went in, and they worked, and they worked, and they worked, and they got paid their nickels and dimes and quarters. But they, um, but, uh, they wanted to make sure they didn't take a coffee break. So they locked them into these dilapidated buildings. Um, this Triangle Shirtwaist factory had a, had a fire. They couldn't get out. And unfortunately, I don't remember the number, over 100 people for sure um, perished in that fire. And it changed a lot of the way we look at how people work and environments and making sure things are safe. Um, happens to be, there's famous stories um, that there were certain girls that didn't make it to work that day because that day happened to have been the Sabbath or Saturday and they didn't work on Saturday and they were saved and here comes my music it's been a fast day thank you to our wonderful sponsors and listeners you know I couldn't do it without you thank you to my wonderful team today Tony, Kelsey, um, Angel Alyssa, uh, Alana's back there I hope I've left you some food for thought until next week I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson you've been listening to Let's Talk To our New Radio Media until next week don't forget to think about it